Hello, church. How are you? God bless you. You may be seated. Tanya, how old? 21. How many love Tanya? Why don't you put your hands together for Tanya? She's working, you know, representing us really right across the globe and just doing an incredible job. Really, really incredible. Um, what is it about these things that never sit right? Here we go. Very good. You know what? This is not working. I might need to have some help here. Okay, good. All right. How many more weeks to uh, Easter? Yeah, 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 it's four weeks, isn't it? Four weeks, just a little bit less actually when it comes to Easter Friday. And I hope you come because it's, these are really big services. But more than that, it's an opportunity for you to come, invite your family, invite your friends. Easter Friday is a, is a beautiful service when we remember the sacrifice of Jesus. And it's always touching and it's always something that is very close to our heart. And then, of course, Resurrection Sunday. Um, yeah, it is good to be back uh, from New Zealand. How many people have been to New Zealand? You come from New Zealand. That's, that doesn't count. How many have been to New Zealand? In fact, we've got people. It's funny, right now, we've got people. Uh, we, were, we just came back, and we've got people from the church almost doing the same route that we were doing. I thought, oh, we've been there. Oh, we've been there. Oh, we, we didn't go to that restaurant. Oh, right. So, been so, so you know, it's, it is, it's just two and a half hours away. By the way, I've now been appointed the sponsor. I'm getting, I'm getting commissioned if you go to New Zealand. It's, it, it is a great place, so let me tell you, two and a half hours. You can't even fly to, to, to Cairns in two and a half hours. And you're there, and, and lovely people, lovely people. But are you ready to receive God's Word today? Yes. Amen, amen. We're continuing a series called More Than Numbers. Everybody say More Than Numbers. And Pastor Jason, um, even though I wasn't here, I listened to him online, a really good message on tithing in the Old Testament, New Testament, and I'm not going to be talking about that today, but I do believe with all of my heart that we need to seek God first, and all these other things shall be added unto you. We need to build our treasures not here on earth, but we need to build them where? In heaven. We need to be rich toward God rather than rich toward us. So we've got to give context to everything that I say when it comes to the Word of God. I believe in, in sowing, and I believe in reaping. It's all in the Word of God. But... Today, I just want to take a, a little bit of a different tact. But before I do, I remember a story because, we talk, because last week, Pastor Jason talked about uh, giving. I remember a story of a girl who received two American dollars. And her mother said, you can use those dollars this way. One dollar is for you, and one dollar is for the church. Anyway, so she's making her way to the church, and she trips over. The two dollars fly out of her hand and the wind picks them up all over the place. They're, they're scattering. She's, she's distressed. So she goes, she does everything to pick one up. And but unfortunately, the other one flew away. She, she grabs a hold of one and then she turned to God and she said, oh, well, there goes your dollar. <laughs> How easy it is to let what belongs to God fly away. And uh, we, we end up, he gets cut out of. Of the, of the picture. And when we do that, we actually end up being the losers. And that's not what God wants. You know, we are living in, in times where finances are creating a lot of stress, a lot of anxiety in our society. In fact, did you know that 20% of people suffer from, from anxiety at any given time? And a lot of it's got to do with finance. And the, the reality is that things go up and up. They are going up and up. Uh, there, are, there are things which uh, we used to buy for $2 and now $10, and that's the reality. It just happens all of the time. 
and it shouldn't surprise us, neither should it shock us, neither should it alarm us, but we need to, when we see increase and inflation, what it should do, it should instruct us as to how to be good stewards of what God has given to us. So don't be alarmed, just be wise. So today my, my focus is not so much on giving, but how to prepare for the future with wisdom, while at the same time having a spirit of generosity. And somehow I'm going to try to, try to get a balance there. Everybody say, prepare for the future. Four weeks ago, I was, when I knew I was going to preach on this, I got an outline in my head, and I, this is the way I do it. I, I, I sometimes just, I get an outline, and then I ponder it, and I have a look at what Scripture says, and then it, and it comes together. But I want to make a bit of a disclaimer today. I'm not a financial advisor. That's not, I'm not my call. That's not my calling. What I want to do is I just simply want to take what the Scripture says and just seek to apply it. Is that all right? You, you go to a financial advisor, you get all your advice, but let's go what the Scripture says. Let's look at the broad principles. And so today, it's a little bit like a fatherly talk, all right? It's not my usual thing. It's more practical. I'm not going to be like giving this exposition on one particular scripture and get all, all the nuances of the Hebrew and the Greek and all that. I just want to look at the whole, what, what does the scripture say about our finances? When it comes to preparing for the future, you've got to rely on more than just an inheritance. A lot of people are just always thinking about an inheritance, so then they're waiting for mum and dad to die. I'm not going anywhere, Alyssa. Reminds me of, uh, of a man who was talking to his friend and, and he said, uh, a month ago my auntie died and she left me $25,000. Oh, okay. A week ago, my cousin died and left me $38,000. I'm feeling really depressed. And the friend said, why? This week, nobody died. <laughs> Have you ever noticed that when it comes to an inheritance, that the, the people that you expect to receive from seem to live forever? You cannot rely upon an inheritance to get you out of debt and to set you up for the future. That's your responsibility. And if an inheritance comes, then that's icing on the cake. Can I have an amen here? Yeah. <laughs> you know, the book of Proverbs probably is the main book that speaks about finance and gives us wisdom. And I believe every young person should read a chapter a day, at least for a while, and get a hold of the wisdom that is in this book. And so today I want to really draw upon what this book of the Bible says and maybe focus on a few scriptures. Let me take you to a couple of my favorite verses. Uh, Proverbs chapter 21, verse 20 says this. In the Living Bible, I think it really captures the principle well, though. A wise man saves for the future, but a foolish man spends, say it with me, spends whatever he gets. Here's another one. Proverbs chapter 10, verse 4. A laziness leads to poverty, but what? Hard work makes you rich. The consistent message, if you read the book of Proverbs, is if you work diligently, if you work hard, then you're going to get a reward for that. But if you don't work, if you're, you're lazy, or if you have every excuse under the sun for not applying yourself, well, then it's not going to work for you. You're going to end up poor. Here's another favorite verse of mine in Proverbs chapter 13, verse 11. Let's read it together. 
Dishonest money, stop there for a moment, other translation says money, wealth gained quickly, all right, read it with me, dwindles away, but whoever gathers money little by little makes it grow. Everybody say little by little. You know, we underestimate, when we're talking about stewardship of money, we underestimate the little by little, just being consistent. Just applying ourselves, being, being people who, who invest into the future. I've entitled this message, actually, Go to the Ant. Everybody say, Go to the Ant. And you'll understand in a few moments why I've entitled that uh, according to God's Word. Okay, Proverbs chapter 6, verse 6 to 8. Remember, this is a fatherly talk. Is that okay? It says, Go to the Ant, you sluggard. Consider its ways and be wise. For the ant has no commander, no overseer or ruler, yet it stores its provisions. It stores its provisions. It stores its provisions in summer and gathers its food at harvest. Go to the ant. You know, the ant, when you think about it, I, I think all of us have stood on an ant or we've had, just recently I had, I opened up the, the uh, honey jar and there's ants all over the place and so I sprayed them. You know, the ant is insignificant in many ways, minute. It's almost like something you, 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 you disregard. It's, it's, it's unnoticed. It's not something that you, high, you hold in high esteem, but yet... Solomon, the writer here, draws our attention to the end. And the context, if you read it, is that Solomon, who is regarded as the, the person who wrote the scripture, is annoyed. He's annoyed, he's irritated. And, and it's like he's frustrated with the inability of, of people to understand this truth. He says, what is, why is it that you don't get it? Why is it that you don't have the foresight the instinct of an ant. He's really, he's really letting him have it. Go to the ants and learn from them. Consider their ways. Proverbs chapter 6, verse 6 says, Watch them closely. Let them teach you a thing or two. I like that. What is it about the ant that drew the attention of Solomon? Solomon, if you read anything about his life, was an observer of life. He, he observed plant life. He observed animal life. He observed a human life. He, the stars, the whole, and he, he was writing. He was constantly writing poems and, 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 and documenting what he saw. But he saw something about the ant that many of us disregard because it's a bit of a secret life. And what he observed was that the ant is self-motivated, it doesn't have a boss telling them what to do, an overseer. It just gets on with work. It, it instinctively understands the seasons of life, that there is a summer and that there is a winter. That's like kind of something that God has put inside of that little minute ant. It understands. The ant works hard and stores up food in summer because it knows instinctively that there's a winter coming. And it's going to, it wants to have abundant provision then. It wants to have enough reserve for that time that's coming. Though it has the, 
the brain of an ant. Why? Because it's an ant, of course. It doesn't spend, it's not living for the here and now. It's not consuming everything that it's got right now. It's, it's storing away. It's thinking ahead. It's, it's putting together reserves. It's, it's preparing for the future. An ant. It's not presuming that tomorrow will be the same as today. This is an ant we're talking about. Smart ant. I am amazed how many people live for the here and now and don't make provision. It astonishes me. It's called instant gratification. We have it now. I've got it, I spend it. But let me tell you something. There is a winter coming. Now, you shouldn't look for it, and you shouldn't anticipate it. I'm not anticipating bad times. I just know that's a cycle of life. Right. There is a, there's a winter coming spiritually. There's a winter coming physically. There's a winter coming financially. And you've got to store up, otherwise you're going to be left lacking. You've got to have reserve there. I call it the the Joseph principle. How many know that there was a man called Joseph in the Old Testament? And there's a lot of things you can learn from Joseph. But one of the things you learn from Joseph is that he ends up being thrown into prison. And he basically gets abandoned there. And while he's there, God orchestrates for him to be involved in, in a very high place. Pharaoh has a dream. And in this dream, and dreams are very important to the Egyptians because they felt that the gods would speak to them through dreams. In this dream, he saw some fat cows, seven fat cows, I thought it was nine, seven fat cows. And then he saw seven lean, ugly cows. And the seven ugly Lean, gaunt cows ate the seven fat cows. That's enough to give you nightmares. (laughs) You think about it. He's going, what does it mean? What does it mean? What does it mean? He's driving driving him crazy. And he discovers that Joseph is an interpreter of dreams. And and Joseph stands before Pharaoh and said, mighty Pharaoh, God has shown you what is about to take place in the future. That there will be seven years of abundance, the seven fat cows. That will be followed by seven years of, of lack. And so, now this, this, is, this was the interpretation, but then comes the wisdom of this man. And he says, I, I advise you that during the times of plenty that you store up, that you have reserves, that you put aside, because otherwise your nation will starve. And Pharaoh looks at this young man, who's about 30 years of age, actually, and he says, you know what? I want you to be in charge, because you've got a lot of wisdom. See, the Joseph principle, storing up, storing up, not eating everything that we have, but we're realizing we're going to need that in the future, setting things aside, that is how we have good stewardship in our life. And let me tell you, I see it less and less in our society because we consume everything. And I'm going to give you an illustration of this. And 
maybe some wisdom for your life. Let's talk about, how do we apply this to our own life? Okay, let's talk about retirement. As I said, I'm not a financial advisor. Go talk to your financial advisor. But the reality is that most of us are not going to live to the point where we, we die and then, and then in a sense of that we, we, we earn a living to the very last moment that we live on earth. There's going to be a point where we can't earn a living. And so we need to be setting money aside or setting finance something aside for that moment. That's wisdom. That's, what, that's the, the principle of Joseph. That's the, the principle of the ant, setting money aside so that you don't have to depend upon anybody. Listen to the scripture here. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 11 and 12. It says, make, provi- make it your ambition to lead a quiet life. I love this part. And you should mind your own business. Turn to somebody next to you and say, you better mind your own business. Some of you are really enjoying saying that. And that, Paul says, mind your own business. And then said, work with your hands, work hard, all right, just as we told you, so that your daily life may win the respect of outsiders when they see that you're a good citizen, when you're, when you're applying yourself. So that, listen, read the next part, so that you will not be, is it there? You will not, oh. So that you will not, is it not working today? Okay, all right, it's not there, it's not there. Okay, all right. So that you will not be dependent on anybody. Everybody say that. So that you will not be dependent on anyone. My aim for a long time has been this. Do I want to live life with wisdom? So when I get to the age where I can't work, or I can't, I don't have the ability to work, that I'm not a burden on my children or on my family. That's called wisdom. Amen? To simply say I'm trusting God is not enough. The Bible says we've got to prepare. We've got to prepare. Okay, that's one thing. That's what time. Let's talk about debt. All of us incur a measure of debt in a lifetime. If you're going to buy a house, great if you can buy it. Sometimes you do get that ability to buy the house cash. But most of us are going to have to get a loan. But the reality is what the problem with loans is that it can actually restrict your activity. And it can, debt can cripple you. And I remember that Jason brought this to light last week as he was talking about the church. How is it that this church here in Bandura, where you are standing... This last building expansion cost $3 million. How is it that we paid it off in seven years? How did we do that? I'll tell you how we did that. We took money from our bank account and we put it into the loan. Backwards and forwards, pandemic or no pandemic, kept on going. We were, very, we were frugal and what. We were doing, we were, we were, we were not overspending. We, wanted, we did not want to be crippled by debt. And today, we are debt-free. And we're building reserves. Because that's what the Word of God tells us to do. Because we don't know what season is coming or what opportunities are coming, and we want to make sure that they are there for us. But yet, at the same time, 
We gave away hundreds of thousands of dollars to local and global mission because it's not just about Bandura, it's about fulfilling the mission of Jesus Christ globally. Amen. So it's not just one thing, it's a whole lot of things. Because the Word of God says in Proverbs chapter 22, verse 9, the generous will themselves be blessed. So we gave, you see, debt. You want to reduce debt as much as you can. Let's go to a story. The prodigal son. If anybody's been a Christian more than 10 years, they would have heard the story of the prodigal son. How many heard the story of the prodigal son? 10 times? 20 times? If I say, here we go again, I know that story. I can tell you that. I know every line of that story. But there's something that sometimes is not spoken about, about the prodigal son. And it's that he received his inheritance, but he squandered it. He lived for the here and now. He did not set any money aside for the future. He was not really, he didn't have any provision for things to reverse, possibly. He had no margin for the unexpected. And so when a famine hit, he was left with nothing. He was left begging. Now he returned to the Father and God graciously, because the Father represents God, graciously forgave him and said, come, be my son. And really what he was doing, he was giving him another chance. And I, I just believe that maybe what God is doing today, he's saying, I'm giving you a second chance. He's saying, my son, my daughter, stop spending and start saving. Stop building reserves. Start having a storehouse. Start thinking of more than just the here and now. And remember that this is all part of wisdom in your life. Let's talk about We've talked about retirement. We've talked about debt. I told you, this is a bit, of a, a bit of a chat. Let's talk about holidays. You know, when it comes to holidays, you can spend a whole lot of money. Absolutely, you can just fly out. Money can just fly. But when Lois and I started in ministry, in fact, most of the time, we've had a very modest income. But when we started off in ministry, let me tell you, we didn't have much at all. My brother, you are, you are like a millionaire <laughs> compared to what we got. I'm telling you, it was barely, you know, give the pastors nothing. You know, you know it's like, what was it? We'll, uh, was it uh, God will keep them humble and we'll keep you poor. That, that was the whole idea. And we had nothing. And, that, and look, that's fine because we didn't go into ministry to make money. We went into the ministry to serve God. And, and that, but the mindset changed and all that. But I still remember that when we started off in ministry, the, the kids were really, really young. And, and we thought, look, no matter the fact that we don't have much money, but we need to build memories. We want to build times where we get away. But we can't do it on a big budget. We haven't got it. We were paying off the house loan. And, and so I still remember that we, we hired out a home. It wasn't a home. It was a little cottage, four-square cottage in, in Phillip Island, it was dilapidated in many ways. It was old. It was the, the, the bunk beds were like, like concrete, and uh, that's where we put the children. Uh, they, they didn't care. They were two to three years of age. They don't care. Uh, so so uh, we, we, we couldn't go out to any restaurants. Lois would cook all the meals. And then, do you remember that, Lisa? And then they would go out and collect shells from Phillip Island, and, and they'd come back and say, Oh, Daddy, I've got another shell. 
Okay, I got another shell, hundreds of shells, and then they say, "Can we take them home?" Oh, great. <laughs> okay, you know, but we slowly got rid of them. Without that, I just want to say we did get rid. Of them. I'm sorry, sorry, Alyssa. You know. But you know what? We had a wonderful time. There's such memorable moments. You don't have to spend a whole lot of money when you go on holidays. You just got to be creative. And it was all about being together as a family and having lots of fun. Now, now, you know, it's a different story. We paid off our house and our holidays are not so basic because things have turned. But listen, let me tell you something. You either pay now or you're going to pay later. If you're going to spend it all now, you're going to have nothing later on. So you've got to make a decision somewhere along the lines. And, and let me tell you something. If you see an older person and they're enjoying this holiday, you know, maybe just a little bit more luxurious, they probably made a lot of sacrifices back here so that now they can have some financial freedom here. Don't judge them. If you're young, don't judge them. Don't try to be like them. You've got to make the sacrifices here so that you've got storage over here. Oh, that's good preaching, Pastor John. You know, if I was to sit down with some young men and women and just share with them some financial wisdom, this is what I would say to them. Beyond the fact that we should put God first. Hey, that's, that's a given. I hope I don't have to say that. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Tithe. Give to God. Be generous. Beyond all that, this is what I would say to them. I would teach them the importance of saving little by little. The second thing I would say, listen, I would teach them not to accumulate lots of stuff. Everybody say stuff, especially to impress others. Listen to what the scripture says, Luke chapter 12, verse 15. And then Jesus said to them, watch out, be on your guard against all kinds of greed. Life does not consist in the abundance of things. We've got so much stuff in the Western world. We have that much stuff, in fact, that we can't fit it into the garage. We can't fit it into the shed. We can't fit it, can't fit it into in, in other parts of, the, of our house. And so what we now do is that, that this is crazy. We, we now rent out <laughs> storage containers for things that we'll never use. How stupid is that? Something's wrong there. Something's wrong. We're the only few countries in the world that does that, by the way. And the third thing I would teach them is that we live in a very undisciplined society where it's so easy to spend. And so use automatic deductions to your advantage. Okay. How many of you here pay tax? Duck your hand. The rest of you, are you avoiding tax? What's going on here? <laughs> you're not working. Most of us pay somewhere between 15, if you're lucky, to 48%. But the reality is most of us don't even see it. Why is that? Because the government nicely deducts it. It goes straight out of your bank account. It's not even there. 
You don't miss it. And so what you do is you adjust your lifestyle because it's already gone. Because what you can't see and what you can't touch, you can't use. And it's the same way with saving. This is what I would say to a young person is I say, take money out of your bank account and channel it to pay off a loan, to pay, go into an investment, into superannuation, into an education account, into a holiday account. Channel that thing because if you, before you get your hands on it. Because what you can't touch, what you can't access, you can't use. Because our society is geared toward you consuming. So we've got to be smarter than that. Automatic deductions is a form of enforced saving. Now, most of you know that. And here's another thing I would say to them. I'd say, son, daughter, the problem is not how much you earn. The problem is how much you spend. Have you ever thought to yourself, you know, if I just earned a little bit more money, I'm going to be fine? Have you ever thought that? If I just earn a little bit more money, then I'm going to save. Let me tell you, in the majority of cases, and I've seen this over the years, it's an illusion. It's an illusion. Because what I've seen over the years is this, unless you manage it well, the more money you earn, the more money you spend. Because what goes through your head is like, I've worked really hard here. And I'm entitled to, you know, to spend some money on myself. And so a little bit here and a little bit there. And this, the same thing occurs. You end up with nothing. Because it's not a problem of the money. It's the problem of a mindset. I've, heard, I've seen people actually learn twice as much and still end up with nothing. And I'll still scratch my head and I'll say, I don't know how you did that. Here's a radical statement. I told you it's going to be practical. You already earn enough to save money. And here's another one. In fact, you probably already earn enough to save lots of money. Go to the ant. My father came to this country in the 1950s. Back in 1950, he came. He came from war-torn Sicily, as many other Europeans. Many, many, many of you may be here, but then there's others who have come from different parts of the world, so this applies to you as well. He was uneducated because he never had the chance of having an education. He ended up being a factory worker, low income, all of his life, worked for Eda Margarine. But his father taught him to save. And so he saved little by little, he was really careful with, his, with the amount of money that uh, he would spend. He would put it aside little by little. And he got a deposit. Saved like crazy. Cooked his own meals. He was not married at that time. And he bought a house in Summer Hill. And he sold that house on a very, very low income. And today... Both my mom and dad are gone, and I am thankful for the inheritance they've left me. How did he do that? Low 
low income. And yet, he was faithful to giving to God's house. How did he do that? He was disciplined. He gave, he invested little by little. Consistency. Consistency. In Proverbs chapter 13, verse 11, wealth gained hastily will dwindle. Easy come, easy go. But whoever gathers little by little will increase it and make it grow. It's called compound. It compounds. And if I was to give any advice to a young person, say, just invest just a little. Just increase it. You say, well, okay, let me bring this to some sort of a conclusion. So where do you start? There's some things that you can do if you're struggling with the whole area of saving that will cost you nothing. And you know this, that you can, like recently, Lois and I were paying quite a lot of money on gas and we decided to shop around and, and literally we save hundreds of dollars just by going to another supplier. You can do the same thing with a loan. You, there's certain things that you can just do by, and you can use that to invest. And all I'm talking about is reserves. I'm talking about storing. I'm talking about thinking of the future, not just for the present. Being wise. But let me just put this before you. Small things. If you buy two cups of coffee a day, some of you have more than that, and lunch five days a week, do you know how much that's going to cost you over a year? My iPhone just told me I'm not sure about that. <laughs> I'll tell you how much it is. It's going to cost you more than $5,000. Now you say, it's only a cup of coffee. I know. And I just want to make a bit of a disclaimer here. You, it, it doesn't mean that you, uh, you become like Ebenezer Scrooge, you know. And I'm not saying you shouldn't buy a cup of coffee. Or I'm not saying that. I'm saying that if you do it on a consistent basis, what actually happens is a, cum a cumulative effect on your finances. $5,000 that you could actually then invest in putting into paying off something and making a difference. Small things. I love, I've been reading a book, actually, I'm rereading a book that I read probably 10 years ago, and it's what we can learn from immigrants. And I'm going to have somebody just bring maybe the table across here. I love to hear stories about how people who came to this country and somehow had nothing, and they, but because of a particular mindset, they were able to, to, to move ahead. So I'm going to, some of these stories are a little bit humorous, but I want you to gather something that they were committed to not wasting money unnecessarily. I want you to understand this. Okay, so what is this? What are you bringing to church here? What is this? You don't recognize it? All right. I know it's a bit of a crazy illustration, but it's... Have you ever sat on a toilet? Yeah, I've said it. And, and, and you're trying to get one or two sheets, and all of a sudden, the whole thing starts to unravel, and you can't stop it. Anybody ever happen? Well, the Europeans found a way. You squash the toilet roll so that when you put it on, guess what?
Now you might think that's silly, but it's not. It's, it's, it's making commitment not to waste unnecessarily. Okay, here's another one. What's this? By the way, I recommend uh, Morning Fresh. You know, <laughs> good stuff. It's good. Right? I do that. Looks empty, doesn't it? No, it's not. What do you do? Ah. Ah. There's a few more washes there. It's a commitment not to waste unnecessarily. All right. What's this? Right, ice cream container. What do you do after you finish? No. Of course not. What's wrong for you? No, no, no. You make this into a container. You can put your lunch into this. Eh? 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 Horse, what's wrong for you? Again, it's... If we want to say, we just... It's a little thing, but it's a mindset. What's this? Two plates. Do they look the same to you? They're not. This one is a cheap. <laughs> this one you put out when the family comes because they're going to chip it. This one has got a gold ring. Hey! And you put this one out every now and then. What am I saying? If we're going to save and we're going to be good stewards, stop wasting. Stop wasting. That's the point. The point is that if you look at these people, you know, I was hearing, I was talking to, uh, to a, a person, a Chinese person, and they're just talking about how they manage their finances, and especially when they come together. So you don't have to worry about them because they live off 10%, 10% of their income. They've somehow managed to save. And, and the reality is what they're doing is they're building reserves. Go to the ant. Go to Joseph. Proverbs chapter 6, verse 6 to 8. Go to the ant, you sluggard. Consider, think about it. It's ways and be wise. Be wise. For the ant has no commander nor overseer or ruler, yet it stores. Everybody say stores. It's provisions in summer and gathers its food at harvest. That's wisdom. That's wisdom. Can we just close our eyes for a moment? You know, you might be asking... Why all this advice about finance in the Bible? I mean, you know, they could be talking about lots of other spiritual things. And, and the reason is this, it's simple, that God wants you to do well. Not just spiritually, but in every area of your life. He doesn't want you to suffer heartache and pain, but He wants you to do well. In fact, God's love for you and me is beyond imagination. This is what the Scripture says. He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all. He gave his son for you and I to die on the cross so that your sins can be forgiven. That love, 
is beyond even our understanding so that we could find forgiveness, so that we would no longer be lost, so that we could enjoy everything that God has for us. He did that. He did that freely for us. He wants you to do well. But spiritually, He wants you to know Him because He's got so much that He wants to give to you. And today, He's reaching out to you. You may have turned your eyes away from God. God has never turned His eyes away from you. Never has and never will because He's got so much that He wants to give to you. And if today you recognize, I need to give my life to God or I need to get my life right with God, this message about finance is just the beginning. God has got so much more wisdom that He wants to impart to you if you give Him the leadership of your life. And if today you say, you know what, I need to get my life right with God where you are sitting at the count of three, it would be an honor for me to pray for you and to lead you to this wonderful Savior, to lead you to this loving Heavenly Father who saw you from the very first moment that you were born. And if you're prepared to say, you know, when you pray, Pastor John, will you pray for me? I need to get my life right with God with every eye closed. Would you just lift up your hand where you are so I know who I'm praying for? So I need to get my life right with God. Thank you. Thank you. Anyone else here? Say, I just got to get my life right with God. I can't believe His love. Thank you for me. It's time for me. Thank you. I see that hand. Thank you. He loves you with a love which is everlasting. I can't even explain it to you. And He'll never give up on you ever. But He's reaching out to you today. So come home. Come home. Anyone else here? So I, so I know who I'm praying for. Those of you who lifted up your hands, can you lift up both of those hands to God? And so I know, so just, just as a sign of surrender to Him. Can we all pray this prayer? Lord, this day, I thank You for Your love. Evidenced by the giving of Your Son on the cross. You did not spare Your very own Son. I ask for your forgiveness. I ask that you come and live in me. Make me your child. Help me to live with wisdom. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. Change my life. I come to you. I'm coming home. Father, I pray for every single person that's made a step toward you today, that you would receive them as you said you would. That whoever comes to you will not cast out. You will not cast out, but you will invite them and you will embrace them. So I pray your blessing and your favor upon their lives. In Jesus, Jesus' name. Everybody said, why don't we put our hands together, those who made that decision, those who are thinking about making that decision.